Welcome, you're at OTR, Over the Rainbow, Achieving Mental Health for Real. This show is about real people battling real mental issues and experts with tips to help in the battle. If you want to know more, please check out my trailer. Your host is Bob Adelman and his notes about today's episode follows. Join myself and John Lee from the popular episode, What is the Meaning of Life? This time we examine consciousness. What is it? Can it be reproduced through artificial intelligence? Will we slowly become a robot, or will we be able to transfer our consciousness somehow? Are we the organic builders of our successor? Now here is the interview with John Lee. John, welcome back to OTR. It's great to have you back. You are on the other show, What's the Meaning of Life? And now we're going to go to What is Consciousness? So how are you doing, John? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be back on the show, Bob. Yeah, it's great to have you back. I mean, the other show uh, went viral almost. (laughs) So I guess people are interested in these subjects. Consciousness is a mystery that I don't think anyone has a clue about. I think we all think what it might be, like a soul or something else, but do we really know what it really is? And I guess that's what I wanted to to start with. My take is that you have a brain, it's physical, and a temporal lobe and all, and all of that, a frontal lobe. Mostly the back is responsible for consciousness, the back of the brain. And when that lights up, there is consciousness. But my issue with it has always been, how does it work? I mean, how does a being be a soul just from a bunch of gray matter? Yeah, I think that's the exact point where, uh, yeah, the problem is. Um, there's definitely, there's no question that the matter, the gray matter in our brain uh, has a relationship with consciousness, with what we experience as consciousness. But for me, when I think about what consciousness is, I think a fundamental element of consciousness, as I experience it, is freedom. So I experience what I believe is genuine freedom, freedom to make decisions, freedom to uh, speak my mind, so free will. I think my experience of consciousness has as a core ingredient genuine free will. So when I think about that, uh, for me, there's a disconnect between matter and free will. Um, When I think about what matter is and everything I've learned about matter through physics and over the years through things I've heard about, the laws of nature and the laws of physics and chemistry, these laws are deterministic. So there there is no freedom the way that I experience um, freedom in the laws of nature, in the laws of physics. So that's where that disconnect comes for me, um, the brain is definitely related to how I experience consciousness, but fundamentally, the brain, I don't see a way that consciousness um, arises from the brain only. So I think freedom, okay. because freedom doesn't come from, there isn't space for freedom in the laws of physics. 
that leads me to believe that there is some immaterial or non-physical aspect of consciousness. No, so you would say that we're just using the brain as a tool and we are somewhere in space and we're just saying, okay, uh, I'll occupy this person's body right now and, and I'll use his brain to uh, experience the world and with all the feelings and color and magic. Yeah. I think that's a really good analogy. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't, I'm not prepared to give the specifics of like, the mechanics of that relationship, but one analogy I've heard, which I like, is the analogy of a pianist on their piano. So the brain is like the piano, the pianist plays the piano, and then the quality of the piano kind of, yeah, determines maybe how, how well that music sounds. If the piano is not in tune or broken, that affects the, the quality of the music produced by the pianist, right? But yeah, I think fundamentally, I believe in something like we use our brains for thinking. And that seems to explain uh, things like brain damage. People's brains can get damaged and that affects how we experience the world, um, the levels of consciousness that maybe that are available to us before and after that damage. So yeah, that's kind of my perspective but on shouldn't- it. I mean, if we were a free uh, spirit in space, shouldn't a problem with the brain, shouldn't we still be able to be who we are and still have that problem with the brain? Because there's there's problems where people um, get an injury to the brain and they become almost like a different person. So what about that scenario? So I'd explain that as brain damage. So the tool that we use for thinking is damaged. And so we can't think maybe the way we used to before that injury. Um, so that's the way I would, I would view the changes in our personality that may happen through something like Alzheimer's or uh, traumatic brain injury. Okay. But you feel that there's still a person out there, um, a spirit out there that just has sort of like a defective car, something like Yeah, I don't know what out there means, but I do think there would there is a, there is some immaterial identity that um, that that accounts for the freedom that I mentioned before. Like if if I am in fact making free choices, and people would will debate that as well, but I personally believe in my immediate immediate experience is that I make free choices and decisions. If that's the case, then I am led to believe that there is some immaterial aspect of myself, of my identity. Okay. And yeah, and I'm not committed to like this immaterial aspect or soul having pre-existed my body. I don't have a perspective on that. Um, I have no problem with maybe that soul beginning at birth and then developing along with the body and the brain as the brain matures and develops, so does the soul. Well, there is, is you know, a theory of where you would use uh, reincarnation to come back as a different person. So a lot of people, uh, you know, I read about that they believe that you actually pick 
the life you want to be in for certain reasons, and you go to that life on the next reincarnation, and then um, after that life is over, the spirit is still alive, so it will go again and, and pick another life to be in. Um, yeah, I personally, I don't have any evidence of that, that uh, arrangement of things. Um, I don't believe that personally. And okay. I think there are other problems with reincarnation. We can get into those. As, as I think about karma, for example, I've got some serious problems with, with that kind of a worldview. But um, putting that aside, I'm not, uh, yeah, I don't see any evidence for pre-existing human spirits, maybe, and, and human beings being reincarnated into different bodies and, and having multiple lives. Okay, so then what happens when you die? What is that? What happens to you? I believe... Are, are you gone? Mm-hmm. So because I'm, I'm a Christian, part of my worldview is, I believe, the immaterial part of us, our souls are united with God. And yeah, we, we go to be with Jesus. That's part of what I believe. Okay. And then okay. another part of that belief is there will be a restoration of all things and the resurrection of our bodies. So we will be embodied again um, at some point. At the end of time, when God renews all things, we will, we will become physical bodies again. We'll have our physical bodies back and we'll have a physical existence going forward forever. So okay. those are some things I believe about what happens after. Okay, so I guess my question is, where are you? Where in space and time do you exist? Are you in your brain or are you somewhere else? I mean, yeah, I mean, as far as I experience, I, I feel like I'm right here in space and time in my body. In your body completely. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, if we actually are spirits that go through different bodies or we just like you said, we are one person who who dies and then goes to heaven, things like that. Um I I'm not you know, that those are the mysteries that we're trying to examine here. What do you think would be the implications of one view over another? So let's say for sake of argument, that the reincarnation view is true, do you think that would impact the way you live today? Uh, if I knew it was true? No, I, I, I don't think so. Um, it would be good to know the truth and, and what we're really here for. But I don't think I would have let that affect who I am. I don't think I would be like, go out and commit crimes, things like that. Um I think I would I would be the same, pretty much. How about you? Um, yeah, I think what I believe does probably affect the way I live. Um, I, so I don't believe in reincarnation. I don't believe I'm going to come back in a different life. So I guess I believe this is the only life I, I'm getting to live. So maybe it gives me more, um, I don't know, the, the significance of my life and the way I live it now is 
larger, perhaps, because I don't believe we get multiple rounds at this thing. So yeah, maybe those are, that's a different... Um, yeah, I, I do think probably our worldviews affect the way we live. So um, part of my worldview is there is a judgment. Right? So after we die, we're going to be judged. And based on that judgment, our eternities are going to be uh, determined. So that right. also affects the way that I live. I want to live in a way so such that I will be pardoned, right, uh, at the end and not punished. Um, so that, again, that affects the way I live on a day-to-day basis. If I didn't believe in a judgment day, um, I would probably live a little bit differently. I, I'd expect, I don't know, because I don't hold another uh, view on that. Yeah. I, I guess another question about... Um existence is what about animals what about uh apes or cats and dogs are they experiencing a lifetime or how do you explain something like that you know different animals who do have very similar brains than we have especially apes yeah i don't know if my is the short answer Uh, I mean, it's obvious that some animals are much more, there's a range of consciousness or sentience um, from from what we can observe. I think the the consciousness of an ant is probably different from the consciousness of a dolphin or a gorilla. So there's a a range there. Um, But at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't know what will happen to animals. Um, Yeah. It's something I think about a lot. I think when I'm with my cat, for instance, and is that a being? Is that just, you know, what exactly, how is it different than a human being? Uh, So those are things I struggle with. But just shifting over to AI, artificial intelligence, um, do you feel that, And I I think I know the answer. I I think that it's possible that a robot one day would have consciousness. But you would argue differently? I think so, yeah, based on the same argument I made earlier that I don't see room for freedom uh, in the laws of physics. And fundamentally, if consciousness involves freedom of choice, then that's where I think it, it, it doesn't follow logically that a machine made of pure matter uh, would be able to produce or derive a consciousness that includes genuine freedom. So I, mean, I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, and I think research should continue and people should try to make um, truly intelligent machines, artificial intelligent machines. I just don't think philosophically that it's good. It is possible based on the simplistic argument that I have in my head, but I'm open to being uh, corrected on that. And I'm not an expert, so I'd love to learn more from people who are closer to that technology. Yeah. And they say that even you, they can put your consciousness into a robot and you'd be immortal at that point. That's another 
Um, very strange idea. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's definitely science fiction at this point. Um, I like, yeah, when I think about AI, uh, a theme that I'm coming back to again and again is something called relevance realization. That's a phrase I've heard um, over the past couple of months. And I think what that means is there is a problem um, for machines to decide what is relevant. So if I, if I try to explain what, this, what the problem is, um, we as human beings, we're, we're absorbing and receiving data from our environment. And there are potentially an infinite number of ways and an infinite um, number of details that, that are being absorbed in our brain. So the brain has to decide which of these data points should I pay attention to? Should I attend to? So that's a fundamental problem that our brains are, we're solving it automatically. We're choosing to look at certain things at certain levels of uh, resolution that are practical for us, that are pragmatic for our goals. So there are a bunch of goals that we are operating under at all times and we're observing our environment and we're filtering all the data that's, that's available to us, um, but we're filtering them just for those, um, for that subset of data that's relevant to our goals. And from what I hear, that's a very big problem. And it's the problem that machines uh, have a very hard time uh, solving. Mm-hmm. So w- what's relevant to a machine? Like to create a, a machine that's, that thinks with general intelligence the way we do, the machine would have to decide what is relevant. Um, and I think that's a big problem for machines. Like, do they have goals? I think in order to decide what is relevant, you would need a, you would need goals and a hierarchy of goals in any given situation. And I think these are some of the problems with going from um, just maybe like a, a detector kind of machine, a machine that detects, data, um, census data to one that actually decides what data is relevant and then further decides what to do with that data, what decisions to make with that data. Uh, I think there are some big problems there to solve. Yeah, the other thing is they say that we will become more and more like a machine because right now we use a cell phone for all our information. So we can't live without the cell phone. It's almost a part of who we are. And they say that maybe in the future, we'll get chips in our head that make us able to, you know, we're able to do Google in our head. And, you know, it expands the brain. Um, What do you think about those things? As I think about that, I think that's quite a natural progression in, like, in technology in general. So as I think about human technology, just from the very beginning, human beings inventing writing, for example, um, human beings have been externalizing their mental capacities or capabilities through technologies since forever. So uh, writing and books and cell phones, externalizing our contact list into apps and email servers. I think that's all 
a pretty natural progression of what human beings have been doing since the beginning. So I'm not too concerned about um, us using technology to enhance our capabilities to remember more than we could, uh, to do more, see better. Like classes is a technology, right, that we use to see better. Right. Uh, yeah. So there's LASIK surgery now. And if we can do, if we can develop technology to help us think, better and faster and I think that would be a good thing. So where does the, the the thing I think about is where does the robot end and where do you begin? Um at some point you could all of you could be a robot. Um a lot of people think that's gonna happen. And and another thing that will blow your mind is that there's a lot of people that think that we are in a simulation, like the Matrix, that there were people before us that, you know, reached the point where they could produce a conscious being. So I know that goes against everything that you believe in as far as everybody's a human being. I mean, there's only human consciousness. But I was wondering uh, what, what you think about that theory. I mean, there are uh, very prominent physicists that think that that could could be the case where we live in a virtual world. We live in a, a simulated world and that our consciousness are simulated. Uh, I think it's, a, it's another idea. It's impossible to falsify. Um, I don't know. It, that that's another belief that that has to be taken on faith, right? There's there would be no evidence that could contradict that kind of uh, all-encompassing worldview. I don't believe that is the case, but um, again, there wouldn't be a way to argue against a view like that if someone held it. Yeah, and and they say that um, if we get to the point where we can make something conscious, then it's almost definite that we we are in a simulation. So that's how they carry that forward. I know that it goes against the things you believe in, but I thought I should bring that up because it's one of the more interesting topics about consciousness. I'm not sure I disagree with it. I mean, even if we were living in a simulation, um, I mean, in the example you gave, if human beings were able to create let's say the metaverse and the metaverse um, were as high fidelity as we are experiencing now in terms of all of our senses. If, if our simulations in the metaverse could experience the metaverse in the same fidelity as we experience reality uh, in the current state, that would be a simulation created by mind. So there would be a mind behind that simulation and uh, those minds active inside the metaverse would also be consciousnesses. So I don't, I don't quite see where I disagree with this world being a simulation. Okay. Uh, so, but you're saying that, like, for instance, I would be the previous person that I was, and then I put myself in a simulation. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that would be the case if we had a metaverse, right, that was as high fidelity as our physical experiences okay. now. 
So you don't think they could, these predecessors can create a consciousness? Because I think that would go against um, all religious beliefs. I, I personally don't believe that um, consciousness can come from unconsciousness. I don't okay. see any evidence for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, this stuff is very fascinating to me, of course. Um, the other thing I throw around, which is completely, I guess you could call it narcissistic, is that I really can't prove that anybody else exists. Mm-hmm. I, I only know that I exist. And since I can't prove anybody exists, is it possible that no one exists except for me? I mean, that's, I mean, that's really narcissistic, but... I'm oh, sorry, Bob, I, I it, missed that last sentence. Could you say that again? Yeah, I'm just saying that, is it possible that no one exists mm-hmm. except for me? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're hearing this and saying, that. oh, that's crazy, but if, if, if you're inside your body, your brain and everything... I'm saying that everything could be a simulation, yeah. that no one else exists, mm-hmm. that that matter doesn't exist until I look at it. I can be totally narcissistic and say, you know, it, it's valid to say something. Like, I mean, how can I prove that you exist, John? I mean, I'm talking yeah, to you, but right. I could be talking to a simulation. Exactly, yeah. I think the view that I've come across, that um, the view is called solipsism. I think that view is that uh, the person believes they're the only entity that exists. Um, so there is a view of that. And you're right. I don't think it's possible, logically, like possible to prove otherwise, like mathematically, that you are not the only thing that exists in the world. And there are a lot of these philosophical questions boil down to, to stuff like that. It's just a lot of, a lot of what we experience is unprovable. But, I don't think that means we can't live. Uh, we all live as if um, other people exist, right? Other minds exist. I think there's even a phrase, theory of mind, maybe. That's the phrase in psychology. We all move around in the world. We live, we work, we play. We do all these things under the assumption that other minds exist and they are as free as we are and that they are responsible as we are. So. We can talk about philosophy all day long, and I love it. I love these conversations, but I think in the way people live, in the way they act, I think our actions are the final proof of our true beliefs. I think we act out our beliefs. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I just don't know. I mean, if anyone was to ever prove any of these things, how, how would you feel about that? If... if Someone could prove that we're a made-up consciousness, that we're not really a soul. You don't believe that anyone can ever come to that point? I don't know what that would look like. Yeah, so it's difficult for me to imagine being convinced that, uh, let's say, I am not free, right? If someone, and I think there are scientists that do say that, right? Maybe... um, Oh, what's his name? Sam Harris, I think, doesn't believe in free will. Right? So our experience of freedom is is an illusion. What does he think free will is? 
then? What does he think that is in play? I think, I think, well, I don't want to speak for him because I haven't read any of his books, but from what I hear of him is that I think he believes free will is a useful fiction. It's, it's just an illusion. Okay. Um, it's not reality. So we are determined. And so he believes in the kind of determinism. Uh, personally, I couldn't believe that because my personal experience validates to me that I am a free individual, a free person. I'm making decisions. I am responsible morally for my actions. And so I don't see what, what argument could be given to me to believe otherwise. Okay. I mean, right now the jury's still out on all of these questions. Uh, no one, you know, can prove any of this. Uh, but again, that's what makes a show like this good, that we can just speculate. But go ahead. Yeah, but just to reiterate, I think, again, I love talking about these questions, but I, at the end of the day, I think all human beings, we act out our beliefs. So um, people can say they don't believe in free will, and they can say whatever they like, but how do they live? How do we live moment to moment? How do we interact with the people around us? I think those actions prove our true beliefs, like our embodied beliefs. And so yeah. I think it's fair to say every human being acts and lives and speaks and interacts with others in their environment under the belief that uh, other minds exist, that they are free. They do make morally responsible decisions. Uh, so I think that that is the case. And so I think actions speak louder than yeah, words. I do believe that. Yeah, I mean, I believe, okay, I'm not a Christian. Um, I'm an agnostic. But I believe in the precepts of Jesus. Uh, I believe that what Jesus said in, mo in most cases is the way that you should live your life. And I have a strong belief that everybody is obligated not to just don't use plastic, but they're obligated to be as close as they can to what Jesus was. So then we have everybody... But we would have everybody in, in a more of a harmony where where it isn't, you know, that, that person first and everybody else second. It's a network that works together. Like I used to be in database and we, we, ha we would have a network of, of data versus just single linear data. Uh, but what I'm saying is that if I live a life like Jesus and you live a life like Jesus and the next guy does, well, that makes the world a paradise, does it not? Almost. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I am an example of someone who doesn't necessarily believe in all the different aspects of Christianity but who wholeheartedly believes that it's your responsibility as a person to be a good person. 
to be kind. Um, I heard this ridiculous argument, and it kind of upsets me. Is that the guy said that being nice is selfish? Because you're only being nice because you want to. You don't want to feel the pain of other people, and so you're selfish. And so I don't know. Is is the world coming down to that? Where even niceness is questioned? Whether whether you know you're nice is is saying that you're not good or that you're selfish. Uh, I just I just don't know. Um, I, I, you know, I sort of went on a tangent with this, but I just I feel strongly that if 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 you as an individual do everything you can to be good to people and to be nice and kind and gentle and loving, then you should have that mirrored back to you by everyone else. So, yeah, I completely agree. I also agree, maybe with the sentiment of your friend who who said um, it was my friend. I mean, <laughs> it was just a ro- I read it somewhere, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that person is probably just pointing out the fact that we are imperfect. There are no perfect human beings, and all of our actions and words and motivations are not a hundred percent pure, right? Um, we're we are a mixed bag of motivations, and um, yeah. So I think maybe that that could be the point. One of the points that person was making, even in our good deeds. Um, no good deed is 100% pure and uh, self-sacrificial. There are other motives that are going on at the same time. Yeah, but in this world, no good deed goes unpunished, is what I say. Because you do a good deed, and you expect something back, and it doesn't happen. So you get disappointed. You know, I... I would love it if everyone practices Christianity as far as what Christ said we should be like. If that was the case, and that includes Christians, they they have to practice what they preach. If everyone did that, the world would be a paradise. And I don't understand why more people aren't behind that type of living. In other words, Forget about your personal self and live in the network that says, I will do no wrong to other people. I will be kind. I will be nice. I will be loving. I will be gentle. I I will be everything that makes a human a human in my book. I mean, once you go outside of being a human, you're, you're an animal. I mean, people that commit tremendously horrible crimes mm-hmm. are animals. They're not human anymore in my book. So everything that makes a human human should come natural and it and there should be an, a patriotism like like people say recycle. Well, forget about recycling. It's good, but why don't you do all these other things? Why don't you become nice? And, and do things for right. people and be like Mother Teresa, for instance. 
I'm not asking all the people to do that, but I'm just saying that we could have a paradise on earth, but I think everybody individually chooses not to. They would rather take as much as they can get. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with you 100%. And um, from a Christian perspective, that would be the doctrine of sin, that every human being is sinful. And although we may all have good intentions, we never live up to our own good intentions. We all fall short of our full potential as human beings. That's true. Uh, so if I could maybe take that argument one step forward, you, you mentioned that we're all obligated to live as Jesus commanded. Um, and that would mean if, when, if and when we all fail, that there would be consequences for failing to meet our obligations. Well, I mean, I think the consequence is that we have a crappy world. <laughs> we have a lot of bad things in this world, and a lot of yep, it comes absolutely. from human beings. Oh, yes, agree. Yeah, so there are definitely natural consequences, natural... Um, yeah, we live in a broken world. There, There's war and disease. It's almost illogical that a person cannot figure out that if he takes it all, somebody else won't get it. And that's, and that's wrong, that we're all in it together, that everybody is one. Everybody is what you say, God. I don't know why more people don't think that and believe that and do that. Forget about believing and thinking and, and hearing. Do it. That's, that's what I would like to see, people actually doing it. Yeah. And, and and that's what I think we have a lack of. We have a lot. People want, they think if they get everything for themselves, they'll feel happy and be content. And I don't believe that. Oh, yeah. I believe that you, you can only be content if everybody is happy. For instance, if I go to hell and somebody else goes to heaven, in my family, for instance, or I go to heaven, somebody else goes to hell. What do you do? You look down to hell and see your your closest brother or or your parents, they're in hell? How could you be in heaven, is, is my argument on that. How, how could it be heaven for you if you see your parents in hell? So, yeah. I mean... No, I agree. That, that brings- I don't think you can be happy as a person mm. until everyone else is happy. Around you, I, I, yeah. I definitely, um, I feel that sentiment. Like I heard something that I think speaks to that. So I heard something like, when you become a parent and you have kids, the parents, from that point forward, parents can never be as happy. They're only as happy as their least happiest child. I think that's, that's, that's so true. That's a similar sentiment, right? Like we're tied up with one. That's another. so true. Um, but people are ghosting other people. People are invading countries. People are doing this. It's not being done by the weather or a uh, volcano. Mm-hmm. People are hurting other people. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's the deadliest sin. That's the worst sin, sin that you can have when you hurt another person. In any way, emotionally or physically, that is the worst thing that can be in the world. 
I mean, I, I agree. I think you're pointing out the fact that, um, so that's the problem. You're pointing to the problem. And I think you're saying, which I would agree with, the solution is not maybe more education. The solution is not um, raising living standards, creating more jobs. Um, it's not more inspirational speeches. It's not more programming, right? Um, and I think the solution is transformation, like something external coming into our lives, intervening and changing us from the inside. And that's, that's what I believe. I think this, the cure to our disease is not more, more of the same, right? More education, like I said before, better jobs. Um, it's God intervening into our lives and changing us from the inside, from the broken people we were to the healed, the forgiven, and uh, renewed people. I, I guess I see God as family. And I've said many times on this show that family is everything. Forget about the houses. Forget about what you've got. Uh, Johnny Cash has a song, uh, Hurt or something, where he says, take all my stuff. Take all this stuff. I don't want it. I'm going to die. You know, because he, he, he wrote that when he was very old. And if you look back when you're 63 like I am, and, and I look at my children, and it's like they think they're not going to die, and they think that, you know, why don't we accumulate as much as we can? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I know it's part of survival that you have to want to get everything you can, but it just seems to me that it's not really being considered by people. Nobody even considers it. Like, they don't get up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm going to be really good to everybody. Mm -hmm. They don't do that. But they do take out the plastic and put it in in the bin over there. Mm -hmm. which, which, in my view on those things, is that those are things that allow you to cover up the fact that you were a jerk to this guy yesterday, as long as you can take your plastic and put it in the, the garbage can, then you're okay. You're all right. Right, yeah. Um, Just checking the box to make yourself feel better and ignoring the really important things in life. I like what you said. Um, I completely agree. If, if more people thought about the finiteness of their lives, the fact that they're going to die, it would probably help them prioritize what's important and at the end of our lives, I keep coming back to this thought as well. At the end of my life, it's not going to matter what I, what I have, how much money I have in the bank, no. what I've achieved professionally. None. The only thing that's going to matter to me, and I'm sure every human being, like on our deathbeds, the only yes. thing that matters yes. is we're going to want our friends and family around us. That's it. Those are the people. It's the people around us that we're going to want there with us at the end and those relationships are the most important things in our lives. Right. And I think that points right. to the, to the reality that at the center of the universe is relationship is love. And it comes out at the very end of our lives. Um, so I, I think the fact, I think every, everybody 
if they're dying, they're, they're not going to say, well, what was that multiplication table again that I learned in first grade? Mm-hmm. They're going to say, oh, my God, I'm dying. I, I want my loving family around me. Well, I want my loving family around me all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I'm 30, my priority is not my house. My priority is my father, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's just a shame uh, that we, it, many of us don't realize that until closer to the it's end. Too late. It'd be much, well, yeah. Yeah, we'd be much happier if we knew that younger, at, at a younger age and we could live longer in that mindset. For sure. Yes, exactly. I know. All right. We're, we're coming down to the conclusion. Um, I think we got into a little bit of a good tangent, I think, about humanity and and how people should probably live, but but they don't. And I, I think we talked a lot about, you know, what consciousness is and what it isn't and how people have different viewpoints on it. And some people go wild and say that we're in a virtual reality. And other people say, no, we we are the only reality. And everybody's point of view is correct. You know, I, I think so. So do you have any closing remarks that you want to no, say to um, I, Again, I really enjoy these conversations. Always appreciate your thoughts and bouncing off ideas with you. And I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, let's, let's do it again. Let's keep it up. Uh, I love it. All right. Thanks a lot and have a great day. You too. Take care. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Yeah.